We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. I thought that when LeBron was here, it was his best years. Player that I watched for four years, I was like, this guy is incredible. I can't sit here and say I could have played in that generation. Maybe my talent would have been good in that generation, but I need treatment. <laughs> we might not deal with these same issues that everyone else is in the community is dealing with, but what we are is we have this platform, we have this stage, we have this voice that can be heard. So it's our duty, I feel, to speak. It takes time for you to be in a real dark place and you to be grasping for air before you decide to reach out to someone. And I was able to do that at a tough time in my life was to go to therapy. And man, when I tell you, man, just getting the opportunity just to release. Welcome back to the second edition of Pull Up, episode two. I'm CJ McCollum. I'll be joined by my friend Jordan Schultz here very shortly and a very special guest who goes by the name of D. Wade. We've got a lot of good topics to talk about. I'm looking forward to a great show. After receiving feedback from a lot of our listeners across the globe, we will continue to make adjustments and small additions to the show to make it better and more interactive for listeners. We'll add a Q&A. Uh, there'll definitely be more guests from different backgrounds, as I stated in the pilot. We'll entertain a variety of topics. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. It'll be excellent. Really looking forward to the next game to kind of you know, put these uh, last few games behind us as we head in t- into the playoffs. Uh, the race is very close in the Eastern Conference as well as the Western Conference. Uh, spots will be decided up until the last day. Actually, spots to get into the playoffs will be decided on the last day as well. But without any further ado, Jordan, let's get it. My man, see, you know, we've talked a lot about the East, and it feels like the East is really exciting, even though, you know, there might not be an elite team. We could argue Toronto, Cleveland, Boston, what have you. But what about Philadelphia specifically? Ben Simmons says he's 100% the rookie of the year. I, I like this a lot because he's not backing down and being polit- politically correct. Do we agree with that element of Ben Simmons being rookie of the year? And with that in mind, how good is Philadelphia? Well, I think Ben Simmons has a lot of confidence, and, and that's what's important in this game. You have to be confident in yourself. You have to believe in yourself and almost to a, an extent to where you ignore the rest of the NBA. But I think Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell was very good. He's an, he's an elite player on his way to, to doing some special things in this league. And uh, I think a lot of players have come out and said that he's a true rookie because he you know didn't have that essentially that redshirt year. But I like both of them. I think, I think this year is appropriate to, uh, to dish out the co. Yeah, I know. I, I hear that because guys like in the past, great players have been co. It's it's not like an insult. You know, we, we've talked about Jay Kidd, and you're basically saying that they've both been terrific. Don't hold it over Simmons that he's not a true rookie, if you will. And Mitchell has led Utah to a playoff berth. Yeah, I agree. I think you look at both their teams and what they're doing. Obviously, they're doing it in different ways. Donovan Donovan Mitchell's in the in the Western Conference. Uh, he's aggressive. He's attacking. He's dishing. He's distributing. 
and he has his team in position to, to, to be in the playoffs, you know, potentially be a top five seed. And then you look at Ben Simmons, who's playing in the Eastern Conference. Uh, he's on a tear right now. They're on a, a very long win streak. First, I think it's 13 or 14 games up to this point as of Tuesday. Uh, he's playing well. He's confident. And they're in a position where they could make some noise in the playoffs, but it also depends on whether or not Embiid comes back. So I think, you know, is it, if the voters decide to go by who's the hottest at this point, I think you go with Simmons because of the, the win streak and everything. But if they go with the body of work for the season, I think it should be a, I think it's a shared award because they're, they've both been tremendous. Simmons made a pass the other day. I don't know if you saw it and I, and I should, I can't remember who was it against, but he, he made a pass where he drove the lane and he made the mistake that you're taught as a young kid not to jump and pass, but he's so athletic and his hands are so big and his vision is so strong that he's he was able to hang in the air, wait for the defense to come down, and then fire off a bullet pass for a wide open three. Is he like is he already one of the best, let's say, five passers in the league? Is that is that fair? I think it's accurate to say he's one of the best passers in the league for sure. Um, his vision, his size, his ability to manipulate a game. Uh, without even having to shoot jumpers is, is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life, honestly. I think uh, he's, his vision is way ahead of his time. He's able to run an offense. He's able to turn his back turn his back to one side of the court and still make passes, You know, whether that be J.J. Reddick cutting to the basket, whether that be one of the big fellas slashing down the lane or Markel you know, doing a backdoor or setting a flare screen. I think he's done a great job of moving the ball around. I think it's fair to say, I mean, although I don't have a list of guards with great vision off the top of my head right now, I mean, he's top five, top ten passers for sure. I mean, he's averaging eight assists. So I think he's top top five or top three off that alone. You know, you, you said last week that you felt like he, as he becomes a better shooter and it's a necessity, that that'll open everything up. Is that part of what you were saying, that from the passing standpoint, that'll only open up as defenses start to have to stretch out more on Ben Simmons? Right. I think he, he passed him because one, he likes it. Two, he's really good at it and it helps the team win. But three, once he gets that jump shot, man, if he gets it, I mean, it's, it's hard to develop a, a very good jump shot, you know, in the NBA after years of, of shooting a certain way, but anything's possible. So I won't say that it won't never happen or it won't ever happen. But if he's able to keep the defense honest and make, and make 15 footers, man, could you imagine how they have to guard him? That's that's the scariest part is that now all of a sudden it's six ten. He doesn't even have to be a three point shooter, but just to be able to make an eighteen footer, right? That isn't that what you're talking about coming off a of pick and roll? Exactly. He doesn't need to be able to shoot threes. If he can shoot threes, that's a bonus. He just needs to be able to shoot fifteen right. footer. You look at how how dominant Tony Parker has been in the league for years, shooting that fourteen to eighteen feet. The pull up. Yeah. Yeah. The pull up. Shooting the pull up. Shout out to pull up. He's shooting the pull up. The pull up is what takes you the distance. Shoot the pull up. Yeah. I wonder for, for when you think about Philadelphia, like, is it ever going to be an issue that though you have two legitimate superstars there already with Embiid and Simmons? Like, with you and Dame, how do you guys balance that? The fact that you have two stars that are both young and coming up together, and, and how does that play out in Philadelphia? I think winning triumphs everything. You don't worry about accolades. You don't worry about notoriety, endorsement deals, things of that nature. If you win, 
everything else takes care of itself and you have to be selfless. I think DOA is going to talk about it a little bit later, but you have to be selfless. You have to show some humility, you know, man up, understand that there's something out there bigger than you. There's a cause bigger than you. You're trying to win games. It's not about shots. It's not about uh, who gets the spotlights. It's not about who gets the commercials. It's about winning because at the end of the day, no one will remember who was the leading scorer in, in XYZ games and, and, and those, those, does those types of things. Nobody even remembers certain poor performances depending on the spotlight of it. They will, will remember if you won a championship and how many championships you won and how competitive you were in the, in the playoffs. Those are the things people remember. Those rings last forever, whether you keep them or pass them down to kids. Yeah, I mean, and that's why I think that LeBron's legacy is so strong because – he he's gonna ultimately end up with well why don't we just say he might have five rings when it's all said and done. There are great players, really great players, that have less than five rings. Guys like Larry Bird or, or Charles Barkley who never won a championship, right? So right. it's it's that legacy of winning that ultimately as you get further away from your career, ten, fifteen, twenty years down the line, that's the only thing people remember. They do not remember unless you're sick like me, that Steve Nash has more MVPs than Kobe. Right, which is crazy. But they're both Hall of Famers, both very, very good players. And what do we remember? Who won the MVP of the finals or who has the championships? Like, like you remember the championships over and over again. Like, what did, what did Kobe signal to them when he was sitting on the bench? He started counting out his rings. He wasn't counting out scoring titles. <laughs> he wasn't counting out his commercials. Right. Bron doesn't count out the Muppets commercials. No, it's about the rings, man. That's what we play for. We play, to, we play to be the best and to win championships. I think with Kawhi Leonard, you talked about being selfless. Has, has anything from that situation in your eyes, as an as a colleague or a peer of of him, can you are you able to sympathize for him at all, given what he's going through? Because it seems like it's more and more toxic. He also rejected a twenty million dollar deal from Jordan Brand. I just wonder if being in a small market is starting to impact the way he starts to look at the NBA. Because none of this you would have saw coming two three years ago. No, I don't think the market has anything to do with it. Honestly, I think. He's going through a lot right now. I don't know what he's going through, you know, mentally or physically, but being injured is never fun. It's it's challenging. You feel disconnected because you're away. You're rehabbing every day. You're not able to be on the court. You're not able to do what you love. You can't help your team win. You, you kind of feel disconnected. I've been through it. I've gone through it, and it sucks. It's a, it's a tough feeling, and you know, I wish him nothing but the best on his on his uh, journey to recovery. Uh, I hope he's able to to make a full recovery and, and get back to hooping because the game needs him. You know, he was a very dominant player, able to do a lot of different things on both sides of the ball. I think that, you know, in this particular situation, he's going through some some issues with his with his body and his recovery and trying to figure out when he's completely healthy, whether that be mentally or physically. I think both both those things go hand in hand and it's gonna be it's gonna be important and, and uh it's gonna be important not only for his future but for the San Antonio Spurs future as well, because he's a big part of that. You broke your foot senior year of college, right, see? Senior year of college and then the last day of training camp, my rookie year. Right. That was so brutal. Well, you know, for me, it was very similar as a high-level athlete. Uh, my uh, freshman year, my, my redshirt freshman year, really hurt my ligaments in my foot. and I missed a lot of games. You hurt your hand typing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, CJ, for, for, a, for a Lehigh major, uh, you know, journal, you're a journalism guy, right? Yes, sir. Your, your lack of empathy for a fellow journalist is uh, it's it's very it's very sickening to me. 
It bothers me that you have no empathy. Hey, shout out to Katie. I'm supposed to take care of the blog boys. <laughs> Yo, am I? <laughs> yeah, I'm a blog boy. Serious question. I'm a blog boy. Am I considered a blog boy? I got to ask Katie. He got to come on the podcast and explain himself. I think you're borderline. I mean, <laughs> this show is going to help that because you're 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 talking and not writing. I just give straight facts though. I give facts in my opinion though. And my opinion is more educated right. than a lot of people because of the experience I have firsthand with a lot of these guys. And the fact that you in college, you put an emphasis on the other side of it, which is the reporting and the journalism side. I think that gives you an entirely different look into how journalists and reporters and blog boys operate. I agree 100%. I understand that everyone has a job, uh, whether you like the job or not, whether people like the job or not. We all have jobs to do, and it happens. There's opinions that have to be written. There's there's things that have to be said. And sometimes there are good things about you and sometimes there's bad things about you. But their job as a writer is to be objective, get the story done, meet the deadline, create good content for others to be able to relate to, read and, and feel. Is that why you like to make reporters wait over an hour sometimes after games like kind of like Russ? Well, the thing for me is that my job is to perform. So... I have to do what's necessary to perform recovery wise, ice tub, hot tub, stretch, foam roll, whatever the case may be, stem, maybe some dry needling. And if you need those quotes and you want those quotes, sometimes you may have to wait because I have to be able to, to bounce back and, and run 2.6 miles the next night. Yeah. We're going to get to D Wade in a second, but first I want to tell you about our friends at Audible. One thing you may or may not know about me is that I'm an avid reader. We travel a lot, so I listen to audiobooks all the time. Audiobooks are great for helping you become a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. Right now, I'm listening to Eric Thomas, The Secret to Success. And if you love books as much as I do, you should check out Audible. Audible helps you listen to more books by letting you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off, whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo. You can get through tons of books, hands and eyes free while doing almost anything. Audible's content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine, and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. And one of my favorite features is that you can share a book you like with a friend. And if it's their first time accepting a book, through this feature, they can listen free. So maybe I'll send something to Jordan. Right now, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com backslash pull up and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash pull up, all one word, or text pull up to 500-500 to get started today. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free. Go to audible.com slash pull up or text pull up to 500 500. You can do it with audiobooks. One more time, audible.com slash pull up. All one word to start your 30 day trial today. We want to welcome our, our special guest, the first guest on pull up, um, three time NBA champ, finals MVP, fellow Leaning fam, one of the reasons why I signed with Leaning, Olympic gold medalist, but most importantly, good overall human being. Dwayne Wade. Hey, man, I like the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I could have kept going and reading more stats, but I tried to keep it 
you know, nice and tight and concise. But I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. I'm a big fan of your game. Obviously, you know that uh, one of the one of the best two guards to ever play this game. So I figured it's only right I get my fellow two guard on the podcast. Just talk a little bit about you know the season, your career, fatherhood, some stuff that's going on in the world, and just have a good overall conversation. And we got my good friend Jordan Schultz on as well. So. This should be uh, this should be a dope dope little conversation that uh, the people can kind of relate to, listen to, gain some insight on, and just learn a little bit more about both of us. Well, I love the uh, I love the name Pull Up. I think that's uh, very fitting for the name of this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It took a little time for us to kind of get to that. You know, asking the homies, asking people around me, you know, kind of what I should make this show, and then I kind of figured I say Pull Up all the time, like Yo, Pull Up on me. You know, all right, I'm gonna pull up, and then. Based on my game, I shoot a lot of pull-ups and kind of live and die with it. And then I figure you can relate because you got one of the best step-backs and fadeaways out there. <laughs> well, definitely, man. I'm definitely. I, you know, when you hear different people podcasts, you know, man, the first thing you want to know, and I like to talk about is like where the name came from. But yours self-explanatory, so keep it authentic. I like that. So I, I definitely approve of it, man. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it. And uh, I got I to gotta talk a little bit about you know obviously you played in Cleveland and I went to Miami and you talked a little bit about it on uh, Taylor Rooks podcast I'm sorry she got you on the podcast the week before me I'm a little sorry about it but uh, I forgive her but you talked about your off days in Cleveland you know you said that you would you go in get treatment you know spend some time uh, on the table maybe you get massages ice tub cold tub hot tub then you go get a haircut and go out to dinner what's the difference between an off day in Cleveland versus an off day in Miami Always is night and day for a lot of reasons. So when I was in Cleveland, um, I decided not to take, you know, my kids to Cleveland. I decided, you know, we went to Chicago together and I was making another move. So I wanted them to be uh, settled. So I actually sent them back to Miami, uh, where our home is and where our family is and, um, and everything. So when I was there, I really had just my dog, Trey. My chef, um, you know, my driver, and and my wife will come in if she's not working. So really, I didn't have you know really much you know kind of support in that stand, from that standpoint. And when I was there, it was snowing every every day, so it really wasn't it really wasn't much to do. But you know, kind of take care of your body. Obviously, me being an older player, um, you know, I definitely try to take care of my body as much now as I ever have before. Um, and just do like, you know, little things, you know, with, with teammates that's not there with, you know, possibly they're there with their family. So you kind of want to, uh, you don't want to be asking everybody to kind of, you know, get a time up to come and spend with you. So I kind of kept it real chill. But back here in Miami, man, the one thing I do more than anything is I, I go outside um, and I, I, I might do it a little bit on my Snapchat with people see or a little on um, Instagram story. But I vibe outside a lot, man. I kind of let the sun be my energy, you know, be my treatment some days. Uh, some days I allow the golf course to be my treatment. If I have a night like last night when I went two for 10 <laughs> and I need to figure out what's going on with my jump shot, sometimes instead of going to the gym and drilling, 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 um, you know, you kind of get your mind away from basketball. But my kids are here, you know, so it's just different. It's a different vibe. It's a different um, mindset, you know, um, than when I was in Cleveland. 
Yeah, that's dope, man. I, there's nothing like being able to kind of relax and take your mind off the game. And, you know, you went two for 10. I went five for 18 last night. So uh, I know how you feel it, man. I just, I, just <laughs> I think that sometimes people under, don't understand how much time, how much film, how much work we put into this game to where we tell ourselves, look, I'm going to just take a step back today and just kind of relax and, and refocus my energy as we, yeah, head, as we head into this playoff push. But you talked about it, your son. I have to bring it up right away told you a little bit about my thoughts on his game you know before before we started recording <laughs> i know he's going to be high high level high major i seen the left hand stroke i seen i seen the vision already he's he's a he's a game changer <laughs> right now and i know he's going to be able to go wherever he wants but he wants to take a visit to lehigh university you just let me know i'd be glad to host him i'd be glad to you know take, <laughs> take a couple of days off to host him he doesn't have to commit or anything like that but if he took a visit you know I, i'd be more than willing to to look out for you guys so i just had to tell you that <laughs> <laughs> so it, so it, it's funny that you that you said that uh first of all i appreciate it you know my you know as, as a father um you know i have three boys and you know my oldest one plays basketball and i get to kind of you know share this you know my experience with him and you know, a passion of mine with him. So it's definitely something cool. And it's been in his DNA since birth, man. So it's kind of now cool. He's 16 years old and I get to kind of, you know, as I'm still in the NBA, he's getting to that point, you know, in high school where basketball is really becoming something that's becoming important. So it's this great bond that we share. And I'm enjoying watching and will enjoy watching the player that, you know, he's going to become, you know, if this is what he continues to choose to do. But, you know, I like where he's at right now. But, you know, I'm a father as well. It's a lot of work ahead of us, uh, but I'm having a conversation with my son and his uh, his best friend. Um, his best friend is is pretty good at basketball. He's playing the same AU team. Um, his scholarship offers so far is not all the high majors, but you know it's it's mid majors. And and I use you as an example. I use you. I use Dame. I use other other people as an example. I told him. I said, listen, it's not always about the big name schools. It's about the right school. It's about the school that, you know, that plays your style, uh, you know, and I start breaking down the coaches, uh, depending on, you know, it's about going to school where the coaches really care about you and, you know, all these kind of things. And I was like, it's about the right school and not, not just the big school. And I use you guys as, you know, all-stars and future Hall of Famers as an example was they, they didn't go to Michigan State. They didn't go to Michigan. They didn't go to these programs that is flattering. And we would all love to get those offers. I didn't either. But look, you see where these guys are at and where they will be. So uh, I thank you guys so I can have, sit down and have a conversation with my son and his best friend about, you know, still making it. Right, exactly. I think you hit, you hit that right on the head. That's a great point. You know, not about where you go. It's about the, the situation, the fit, the coaching staff. And I think one of the biggest things that, that benefited myself, you, uh, Dame is that we were able to play through mistakes and kind of figure it out you know being able to develop each year playing with the ball yeah. in your hands making the players around you better not having as much help made you made you be, become more versatile like locking up on D guard and bigger players make, uh, empowering the three man to knock down shots you know what I'm saying like you go to Kentucky or Duke you're playing with five McDonald's All-Americans <laughs> definitely Turning the page a little bit, uh, we have to talk about Eric Spolstra. You know, you're back in Miami. He started off as a video coordinator, so he kind of started from the bottom, similar to how we did, and, and now he's an elite coach. You know, mm -hmm. what do you think makes him mm -hmm. so good? And and then obviously we'll talk about the legacy of Pat Riley in a little bit, but let's let's first focus on Eric Spolstra. And have you been to his restaurant in Portland? Uh, I have been to his restaurant uh, in Portland. Uh, me and the team went 
um, a few times before. And, and this time, a couple of guys went, but I, I've been before, so I had to try to try something new in Portland when I came. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about Spoh, man, which has been so cool for me uh, to watch, you know, as a basketball mind, and as a basketball player, obviously, is I've seen someone work that when I first got to the Miami Heat, Eric Spoelstra was in the video room, you know, and I've watched him work himself from the video room to then coming to practice and having a, you know, a little something to do with practice and then moving up to the bench and having something to do with, you know, pregame before the game, getting uh, players prepared and all these things. He was the guy that, you know, when I first came in, really helped me on my mid-range shot, really helped me on my balance on my shot and all these things. Stayed after hours with me, working with me over and over. So I've seen his rise, man. I've seen it from his rookie year as a coach to now where he is, me coming back in my 15 year. Um, you know, and just watching his, his growth. And it's, it's been so cool to see, man. He's a, he's a great mind because he did it, he did it all, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, in basketball, you know, to get to the coach rank. So, uh, proud of him, man. Happy of him. And he got, you know, as long as he want to coach this game, um, he ha- I'm sure he, he's going to have a position, you know, at the head coaching, uh, the head coaching room. So, uh, it's definitely been cool. Dwayne, CJ mentioned Pat Riley. And I wonder for you, when you think about him and his legacy, he's someone that has constantly adapted and evolved, has won three championships as an executive, five as a head coach, essentially implemented that one three one half court trap. Then he implemented Showtime. I mean, he's done so many different things. So when you think about his impact on basketball, what are the first things that come to mind? It's greatness, man. You know, to be able to do it in different generations, um, to be able to, to be successful at different styles, um, you know, and, you know, Pat, you know, has been around this game forever. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's 40-plus years he's been around either <laughs> playing you know, the game, talking about the game, being executive of the game, coach of the game, and, and so forth. So he's just one of, the, one of the great minds of this game, man. He is, you know, when you think about, you know, the, the greatest coaches in our era and, and some before, Pat is one of the top names that come to your mind right away. Um, and he kind of, for me, I think he kind of changed the game from a standpoint of a coaching standpoint. You know, he was, he was clean on that sideline, CJ, man. He had that slick <laughs> back hair. He had them suits. He had that swag. He had it all, man. So he tried to change the game a little bit as well. Yeah, he's like the he like the Godfather, man. His swag is impeccable. <laughs> yeah, you know something about his aura, man. When he walks into the room, you know what I mean, and and it's just his his confidence, his aura. When when I play with him, been in those moments where you know in those final moments of games or in the championships, and we're down, and just coming into the huddle and just coming to the huddle with somebody that's so calm, right? And it's not you know, and you're as a player, you like. You know, you're a little, you're a little anxious, but he's just so calm and he's just like, he calms you. He gives you that confidence that you need to go out there, you know, and, and, and be yourself right. and play the game that you've always played. So, man, it was, it was great being coached by him and to have a relationship with him to have. Uh, it's been great as well. So you talked about how good he was as a coach, his swag, his persona, and kind of how, and he's always even kill. But we didn't talk about, the strict diets, the the conditioning programs all, <laughs> that I hear about. I hear it's legendary over there. So, are you are you allowed to eat waffles? <laughs> are you allowed to eat waffles, or, or, or <laughs> Chef is Chef Trey right? Chef Rich. Chef Rich. So is Chef Rich making you waffles, or is, is that completely out of the diet? 
Well, you got to get creative. So <laughs> if Chef's gonna make me some waffles, we got to get creative with how it's gonna how it's gonna come. I can't get the regular waffles that with the regular waffles, the pancakes, the regular way they go. So Chef's got to come up with some. You know, you got to do a lot of research and come up with ways that you know we can make waffles, but give me the, the things that I need. So it definitely strict, man. You know, uh, from a standpoint of taking care of your body, and you know that's a good strict to to have. I mean, if you've seen players that have came here to this team with players on the team now, how they transform, how he transformed their body with the mindset of being, you know, the best condition, you know, team in the lead. And, you know, just the things he focused on. And like, even for me, when I got back here, my body fat was at 8.5 and I was, I was fine where I was at. But then when I got here, I understood that I had to change the mindset and the culture. So right now my body fat is at 7.5. You know what I mean? It's just really, you know, getting you to the point where you and your you, you can go out there and perform at your best, and there's nothing that's holding you back from a physical standpoint in your body. And uh, I mean, that's that's just, that's the Miami culture. That's the Miami way. And you know, you see a lot of guys over the years that have been able to come here and just make their careers have become better and greater by walking through these doors. And appreciate it. It's tough when you're here. You know, definitely not to be able to eat pancakes and, you know, and all those things that you want to eat all the time. Like you can enjoy it every now and again, but don't go crazy uh, because every week you will be getting weighed in and you will be taking your body fat and all these kind of things. <laughs> oh, that's that's dope, man. Yeah, it is. And Dwayne, you guys have had such success with playing different styles. I wonder this year with your ability to go big with Hassan and, and Olenek, um, we talk a lot about the way that you can keep the big man happy with with Hassan and his ability. CJ said he's he said something last week. When you're in the lane with Hassan, it's all floaters. You know he he completely shuts down the lane. So so what's his impact been, and and how do you guys balance that, or how does that impact you? The fact that you can play so many different styles heading into the playoffs. Well, I, I think it's great. I mean, we you know for besides myself, you know, UD who are uh, older, you know, these, it's a lot of younger guys on this team that. And from the standpoint of not having a lot, a lot of playoff experience and, you know, and just a lot of guys that's kind of worked their way up the ranks. So, um, you know, going into this playoffs, I'm excited to be a part of this just to see how these, you know, these young guys are going to respond in these moments. You know, this is what builds you. This is what gives you the confidence going forward as the kind of player you're going to be and who you are is these playoff moments, man. So, um, us having the ability with Hassan and, and KO and Bam, you know, our three different bigs, uh, <laughs> Uh, and we got other guys on that bench that can play as well um, that, you know, probably don't get the opportunity, um, you know, to get out there. But those three, they just give us, you know, the different dynamics. You know, Hassan is, you know, CJ understands. He's a, he's a first of all, he's a lob threat anytime he rolls to the basket. He's a guy who protects the rim uh, with his shot blocking ability um, and his presence. You know, KO is more of a, you know, versatile big that can uh, play with the ball in his hand a lot more that kind of runs the offense for us when he's out there. He's a point forward. Um, and Bam is just a raw talent that will jump out. I threw a lot, just a quick story. I threw a lob to him yesterday, and I didn't know I could throw a lob too high. I was shocked that he didn't catch it because <laughs> <laughs> I normally just throw it up there. And that was, I was actually shocked that he didn't dunk it. Um, but the guy is so athletic, and his, you know, his potential at 29, 20 years old is, is out the roof. So they've done a great job, man, you know, from a standpoint of putting the organization in the right place. Um, at certain positions to be successful. You know, every now and again, you get lucky and you get a special player um, like they got, you know, with me in, in the fifth pick. Didn't know what they was getting, but I turned it to be, you know, something that uh, was organ was, cha- was you know, life-changing for this organization. But 
or you get a CJ McCullough or you get a Dane um, and you don't know what they're going to become. But, you know, to be able to act, get these other pieces that if you get that player, if you get that, that right situation, is going to help them take you guys to another level. That's what they've been able to do. Yeah, I think you guys have done a great job. I like the roster you guys have in place. And everybody defends. A lot of people can handle the ball, make plays for each other. Obviously, you got the big fella in the middle, and then you got Bam, who's turned out to be a very good player. He, his athleticism is is crazy. I seen it. One of the lobs he caught about two weeks ago was one of the best dunks I've ever seen in my life, besides besides Bron's dunk uh, against us a few weeks ago. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it was. Uh, Nurk got set up. You know, Nurk helped late. That's our fault. We got to do a better job of containing the ball and enforcing Bron away from the paint. So <laughs> I, I'll help take credit for that. I'm supposed to help double a little bit faster, but <laughs> he he took off from so far away. I mean, it was you know what I mean? Like one dribble past the pick and roll, and he was gone. I know, but if I was there, <laughs> so if I was tough. there to help earlier. I could have fouled him or something. Maybe I could have stopped him at 16 feet before he took off at, f- at 14. <laughs> but, I like that. Way to stick up for your big. I no, like that's, it. That's my big, big foul had 20 and 19 last night. If I would have helped him out, we would have been able to get the win. And Denver wouldn't even be talking about this three seed right now. <laughs> More with D-Wade in a second. But first, I want to talk to you about SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing. But there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you the closer to the action for a great value. I just went to Cedric the Entertainer in San Antonio. It was awesome. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone and have found it's very easy to use. Just a few taps, it's very easy to get seats to anything you want. If there's a major sporting event in your city, like say the NBA playoffs, I recommend you check it out. I might use it to get tickets to a Browns game, a concert, a comedy show, anything. SeatGeek saves you time and money by showing you not only the cheapest tickets, but also the best values with their very handy seat map feature. You can get the best seat for whatever your budget is. Just give it a try. And best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code PULLUP, all one word, today. That's promo code PULLUP, all one word, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now back to Dwayne Wade. Well, you talked about playing in my home state for a little bit. I know the snow, the snow had to get to you a little bit coming from Miami, but... Were there any other takeaways that you were able to gain from that? Obviously, you discussed, you know, what it was like to basically surrender and go to the bench for the first time since since you were probably, I don't know, eight years old, you know, coming off the bench. So talk a little bit about that experience um, going from Cleveland to Miami and kind of how you were able to interject yourself back into Miami. And if there's any, you know, highlights of obviously playing with Brown, who's one of your best friends, if not your best friend in the league, what that was like on a day-to-day basis. Well, uh, great question, man. I mean, and to talk about the LeBron, you know, side of it, um, you know, we obviously had an opportunity to play together um, for four years in Miami, and both our lives have changed because of it. Um, you know, definitely a great time. And, you know, when I got an opportunity to get this buyout, um, you know, I, I decided to go to Cleveland because, you know, understanding obviously the game's greatest player and, and getting an opportunity to compete for you know, a championship was something that I that I that I really wanted to do. 
Um, again, you know, I'm not getting any younger, so it's something I wanted to do again. Uh, but, you know, going there, the dynamic was a little different than it was, you know, here in Miami four years, the four years we played together. So um, just kind of sitting back, analyzing everything, I, I felt that, you know, the best thing for me on that team of having success and, you know, possibly the team having success with me being in that second unit, uh, it wasn't an easy, as easy decision as I'm talking about, but it was something that I felt that I needed to do. You know, one thing I've always understood is that I play a team game and I always try to do what's best for the team, you know. A lot of people, because of the name or because of, you know, the accolades or whatever you get, people expect you to, to, to be one certain way. But it's just, that's not, that's not who I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a team oriented guy, um, you know, first. And I tried it. You know, I did some of my comfort zone, you know, for the better of the team. And, uh, it worked for a little while. And then a little while, you know, things went astray and it didn't. But I, I definitely, man, the fans was great you know, to me while I was there. The people that I met there is people that I would have lifelong relationships with, um, you know, in my short time there. Some of the teammates that I had there, same thing. So it definitely was, um, you know, cool for me, you know, for the short period I was there. But it, it's just crazy how everything happens, you know, for a reason. You know, at the time, you know, as we were struggling as a team, you know, I was struggling in my personal life. I had just lost my agent, um, Henry Thomas, and it was something that was real hard, you know, on me. And I kind of was basketball was kind of, you know, the furthest thing from my mind. Even though I tried to get back to it and, and keep playing, you know, w- you know, during the season, but uh, it was just tough. And when I got that call that I was getting, you know, that the trade was going to go through, it gave me new life. You know, something that I definitely needed. Um, and coming back to Miami, man, was something that I just said, listen. I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm thankful for, you know, this blessing in disguise right here. And I'm going to go in there and do what I can to help this, you know, this young team and, you know, give them whatever I have, you know, in this season. So, um, you know, but it's still hard, bro. I would not lie and say that it's easy coming off the bench and having a different role that I've had my whole career. Um, it's definitely some nights and days is better than others, but, you know, trying to be a professional and, and um, trying to be an example and, you know, trying to do it the right way. Right. I think that's something the kids can learn from and not only kids, but grown men and, and players all across all sports that, you know, you a Hall of Famer, man. First ballot, you're going to be a Hall of Famer and you had the humility to, uh, to to be able to accept coming off the bench. And some players complain about minute reductions or not playing down stretches or things of that nature. So I think, you know, kids can learn from you that it's about the betterment of the team. And and uh, I think that just shows you type of type of person you are. I appreciate that, man. But it, uh, just to it, it is hard at times. <laughs> it definitely is hard at times. You know, back in the day, back in the day, if I go two for 10, I ain't worried about it. I'm going to go ahead and shoot myself up out of that. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. No, so it's definitely a different mindset and mentality. But, you know, like I said, man, you know, always trying to help put yourself and, and put the team in the best position. And, you know, for me, coming back to this team at this time, um, the best position for me to come back and, and come off the bench and try to help that second unit be, you know, one of the, one of the best second units in the NBA. Dwayne, CJ always says that he feels like Miami Heat Braun was the best Braun and that his ability to continually find ways to think the game better has really helped him, which I think is something we'd, we'd all agree on. I wonder for you, though, with the playoffs, he, he goes back into that lockdown mindset, that zero dark 30-23 where he goes away from social media. Can you just talk, Dwayne, about how he locks in differently in the playoffs and what that allows him to then do? Well, I, I I think for all the greatness of the regular season, you know, of LeBron James, um, and 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 it all and you know people talk about it all the time, you know, 
his finals record, or what, what the case of what that is, but what he's been able to accomplish and what he's been able to get his teams to do in a level he's been able to get his teams to play at, um, as consistent as he, as he has, is nothing short of amazing in today's game. You know, um, so, you know, I think his focus, man, when it comes to the playoffs, to me, um, has been something great to follow, be a part of, um, you know, because I'm watching one of the greatest players of all time, you know, do some legendary things. And um, it's cool to see. So just, you know, just a mindset of, like, listen, I'm blocking everything out. And my only focus right now is those other 14 guys in the locker room, the coaching staff, and winning this game. And, and taking that approach. And in our lives, there's a lot of things and a lot of voices and a lot of people that have a lot of things to say. And there's a lot of experts that don't play this game that is out there. And he just blocks it all off and understand that he has a job to do. And he has a, he has a huge job to do because of who he is and what he's become. And he takes that seriously. With LeBron getting better with age, you know, CJ's always saying that he feels like his ability to think the game is constantly improving and I I feel like it, it's it's pretty incredible when a player that athletic is constantly finding ways to reinvent himself. For you, how has he gotten better on the floor? Is it the way he sees the floor, or what is the difference for him now with the way he's thinking the game? And in essence, as he said, aging like a fine wine. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I can't I can't necessarily answer like he could. I mean, obviously, I'm. I'm I'm sure he can give you a way better answer than I, than I can. But the one thing I've noticed from watching from afar and being a teammate and being around him is, you know, he's a student of the game, first of all. And that's the one thing that, you know, that I try to sit down and, and become and I try to help my son become, et cetera. He's a student of the game. His IQ is off the charts. And it's always been this way since he's been, since the world I've known about LeBron James at 16 years old or whatever the case may be, he's always had this. I think the one thing that, that has been has been great and has allowed him at this in his 15th year at age 33 to still play at this level is one from day one he's he's taking care of his body the same way that everyone is now taking care of their body. Um, two, knock on wood, man, he's he's had you know a little luck in the situation of not having anything happen to him, you know, injury wise. So it's allowed him to to not have to adjust his game because of injury, and he's he's been able to play his game all the way through his basketball career. Um, and it hasn't had to change, you know, from that standpoint. When he came to Miami, he had to change a little bit of having the ball all the time. Um, but then the second year, we gave him the ball, and we just said, do what you do, and we'll do whatever we need to, you know. And so he's definitely been blessed with the ability to be still fast, still athletic, and having the smart of one of the greatest minds of the game, you know, but he plays the game. You know I mean? He can be a coach on the sideline. He can be Pat Riley on the sideline with the way he can think the game, but he's out there playing the game with the talent, the ability, the the makeup of a of a, of a LeBron James. I mean, it's scary, um, but it's cool to watch as a as a fan to see somebody in their 15 year, 33 years old, looks like he could this he could be he could have got drafted this year, and he'd have, he'd have been like, wow, this guy's gonna have an amazing career. Look what he's doing this first year. Um, it's just you know it, it's great to see. So. Uh, to go back a little bit, I'm sorry I didn't answer it, uh, CJ, uh, what you said is I, I thought that when LeBron was here, it was his best years. Uh, but that's not saying that what he's done since and what he's doing now is not because he <laughs> continues to keep up in any for himself. But right. the player that I watched for four years, I was like, this guy is 
incredible. I didn't get the chance to watch Jordan up close. I didn't get a chance to watch Magic and Kareem and Will and all those guys up close. But this guy I have and Kobe, I haven't got a chance to watch those guys. But who I got a chance to watch is him. And I'm like, this is this is just greatness. <laughs> you know, I haven't you know I haven't I haven't you know seen nothing like it. So um, we definitely had an amazing four years. Yeah, I was I was looking at the stats and it was just like, wow, y'all y'all was really y'all was really a problem. And y'all went like twenty seven was it twenty seven games in a row or something like that? Yeah, twenty seven games in a row. Yeah. That's one of the best runs I've ever seen. But I got one more basketball question for you. Then we're going to go bigger picture topics, talk about the history of basketball and all that stuff. But as the playoffs gets closer, this being my fifth season, my fifth year in the playoffs, obviously I started off not playing. DMPs, showing up to the uh, to the playoffs, understanding that I'm not going to play unless three guys in front of me get hurt. To now actually having a main role in the team and having to perform well for us to win. How do you approach the playoffs now compared to – the first compared to the first time you played against uh, Ryan Artest and what type of rec- recovery methods do you mm-hmm. use? And like, what's the, what's the mental approach now ha- having that experience? I, I talked to, to some of the younger guys about when you're, when you're younger, you don't really understand. You just go out there and hooping, right? You don't really understand the magnitude of what you're doing until right. you go back and watch. But as you get that experience, the game kind of changes to how you approach it. Definitely, man. So just how I approach it in the beginning is very similar to everyone else. I just, I was trying to make a name for myself, man, and I knew what the I knew what that stage was about just by being a fan of the game. I've watched everybody, all of all of my favorite players, make their name and make their um, their stand in the playoffs. So when I got a chance to get in there my my rookie year, I was like, all right, here we go. This is where you become the player that you know you think you are. You have to show it on this stage, and I was you know, and that was my mentality, man. And you know, the thing that I have learned as I've gotten older, as I've had won championships, lost championships, East Conference, Finals, whatever the case may be, is the importance of a playoff series, man. Is, and the hardest thing to do is, is being even kill. It's never getting too high, never getting too low. You can lose the first two games by 20 each. It doesn't matter from the standpoint of they're just two losses. You have to get ready for the next game. You have to move on um, to the next moment. And, you know, even within a game, something happens, in the regular season, you can go off a little bit. In the playoffs, you got to get right to the next play. You can't be talking to the refs too long. You can't be on the ground too long. You got to get it right to the next play. Um, another thing that's important, man, is, is, is how you prepare. You know, when you're in the playoffs, that's what it's all about. Your family has to understand it. If you got kids, they got to understand it. Everybody got to understand that this right here is the most important thing right now. I apologize to my family, but this is, and I have to prepare not only my mind, but my body for each game, each round. And be selfish with it, you know? And that's the biggest thing. Be selfish with your time and make sure that you give the game everything you can. You give, you know, your your team and and your opponents everything they can ask for. But you have to prepare. You have to learn. You have to know tendencies. You have to know all these things, man, um, going into, you know, each game. No, I appreciate that input. I think that's that's very helpful for me and for just other players out there that might be listening or kids out there that are preparing for something bigger than the, uh, the normal game. I think the preparation is, is everything. You prepare, you watch the film. And as you said before, being even kill is the, is the hardest part, but you have to understand that once you get out there in the court, all your work up to that point should be done. Now you just live with the result. And I think that's the, that's the stage the great ones get to to where they just trust, they just trust the work and whatever happens, happens. But but turning the page now to, to bigger picture basketball things out there. Obviously, there's one and done players. 
There's four-year players. There's two-year players. We're going to get to the draft topics in a little bit. But right now, what what do you think the difference is between a one-and-done player versus a four-year player and the stigma that comes with it? Obviously, the the kid from Villanova, I think he's a three-year player. He's nice. I think he's Miles Mikel Bridges or something like that. I really like his game and how he's developed. But what do you think is the difference between the one-and-done players and the four-year players and the kind of the stigma of, you know, being old as a 20 year old versus being 18 and uh, have, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like you know how they do it yo he's 20 he's old with miles yeah. but you 18 and you know the sky's the limit yeah man that that is that is, is crazy man the, the conversation that go on from the outside I mean you know what I what I think first of all I, just, I think it just depends on the player um you know sometimes a kid is ready at 18 sometimes the kid is ready at 22 uh, if you're 22 years old if you're 21 years old, you're still young. You come into the NBA, you're still wet behind the ears, you're still young, but you might be a little bit more prepared. Some guys are special at 18, at 17, they're Kobe's, LeBron's. You know, these guys are special. And they come right in and they make their, their presence known. But some guys, it take a little longer. I stayed three years in school, even though I didn't play my first year. I was 21 when I got drafted. And I right. couldn't get drafted at 18 or 19. I wasn't prepared. As a basketball player, my body didn't develop yet. My mind was still growing. My talents were still, you know, needed to be honed in. So, you know, I, I definitely think it's awful uh, what people say about kids that spend four years in school. What's what's so wrong with spending four years in college and coming out and being 21 or 22 years of age? Nothing. Yeah, actually, you're getting yourself as complete of a player as you can. Someone who's been coached. Someone who's you know has been through so many different moments, situations. Um, you know, and all these things. So it's definitely terrible, man, of what, you know, these, these young, young kids and have to go through what people saying about them at such a, you know, uh, such a young, young age. But, you know, my thing is this, if you can play the game of basketball, I don't care if you're 45 or if you're 18, if you can help a team win, then you can help a team win. Right. And that's, to me, that's simple as that. CJ, you and I were talking about this recently about, guys coming out early and the process that they go through. Dwayne, for you, if you could just take us back to your process and um, your two years actually playing and going to the Final Four, you wouldn't have changed any of that, right? And so isn't that something that – is that something you would recommend for young guys now not to rush it? Is that fair to say? Well, I, I, I really think, like I said, I really think it's dependent on on your talent, on your abilities, on, you know – on, is you prepared, like I said, mind, body, and soul? Are you prepared um, for the next level? I, I couldn't have come out before. I wasn't ready emotionally, physically, mentally at that time. You know, I needed my, my two years coached under Coach Cream. I needed, you know, two years of being in, in college and being on my own and learning responsibilities. And it still didn't help me. I got to the NBA and I made a lot of mistakes, you know, but I needed that because I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily have it you know, before I got to college. Um, but I also am a supporter of hopefully it comes back where certain kids are able to come out of high school if they're, if they're deemed ready, you know, as well. So I really just think it depends on the individual, just like anything else in life. You know, it depends on when that individual is ready to take that next step. Um, and it's not always just talent. It has other things around it, um, you know, that is, to me is the side factor of that. Yeah, I think I wasn't ready either. And I think it's funny. Uh, growing up, I wanted to go to a high major school. I wanted to play on TV every night. And ideally, playing at North Carolina would have been my dream school. But, 
you know, honestly, looking back, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't ready. And even after my freshman year, uh, I was too skinny. I wasn't mentally ready for what comes with this lifestyle, not just the, the money and the, the power and the access, but dealing with failure, dealing with other people's problems. Because once you make a couple of dollars, everybody's problems become your problems. So you have to figure out how to <laughs> manage those type of things. And I think there's no way to prepare for that. There's no nothing you can learn in college that's going to prepare you for the type of stuff you, you get thrown the type of stuff that gets thrown at you once you once you make it to the NBA. So I think it's learning on the fly. I think that's the that's the tough part about it. But you were drafted in 2003, and I'm sure the landscape of the NBA has changed. The obviously the dressing, the way <laughs> the way we dress now has changed. But the power the power of social media, and you know I I, <laughs> I seen your suit from draft day, but I didn't even go go there right now. But the power of social media. What would life have been like if social media existed during the Jordan Barkley era of the I am not a role model? Because, you know, they talk about how soft we are now, but I'm like, they don't understand what we go through. Like, yeah. We can't do nothing or go anywhere. There's there's no late night gambling, getting away with it. There's no, none of that. You ain't getting away with nothing now. Nothing. It, it definitely, you know, it definitely would have been different, man. And that's, you know what, man, that's the one reason why, you know, as, as players, when, you know, when we get an opportunity to talk, basketball um, be on tv certain times or even afterwards you know you get done playing and you know you can go you know possibly be on tv that's the one thing that scares me about it because when you're in front of that camera man sometimes you forget you know you're just talking and you're saying things sometimes that people want to hear or you know but sometimes you take your you 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 take yourself like out of the situation and you forget that you know what i actually did play and if i did play in this generation this era you know the stuff that i did woo. (laughs) <laughs> it would have been way worse than anything these these guys are doing, you know. So right. you know, this is this is our generation, and it's and it's. I've I've been in the NBA when it wasn't there, and I'm in the NBA now when it is there. And I'm telling you, man, it's like it it it's amazing things about social media, but it's a lot of awful things if you are if you a public figure uh, when it comes to social media, when it comes to you know the camera phones and all these things, you know, just the the little things of privacy. You know, of of having you know your own time, your own this, your own that. That doesn't. You have nothing of your own no more. You step outside of of a dark room and you become everyone's. You know, everyone has a microphone for you. Everyone has a camera for you. Everyone. You know, so it's it's just a different time, man. And the players before us that paved the way from a basketball standpoint, we thank them. But they didn't have to deal with what we have to deal with from a, a social media standpoint and. You know, and even LeBron, a lot of people getting the chance to talk about well, why he ain't great, why he's not better than this, why he, they didn't have those conversations like that then. They didn't have the ability to even know him. You know what I mean? Now they get a chance to see your personality, to get a chance. We didn't know nothing about Michael Jordan when he was growing up. We just knew that Jordan could play and he can dress. Outside of that, I didn't know nothing else about Michael Jordan. You know, they know everything it is to know about, you know, players these days. And now you can pick them apart, just like a kid that goes to college for four years. They start picking at him and picking him apart. But if he go for one year, ah, he's great, you know. So you know, it's just a, it's a different generation, a different era, man. And you know, everyone got to understand that everyone couldn't succeed in this era, you know. And that's a you know, fact. and just respect it, respect the different eras and generations. That's a that's a big fact. But speaking on that, talking about the, the generation that came before us, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank the players that came before us and before you. So let's just talk a little bit about the benefits we receive now due to the sacrifices the players made in the past, because I know a lot of times we get caught up in the arguments or the physicalities and stuff like that. But, you know, there's 
there's stories where guys are hooping in the league but working summer jobs in the summer. Which is OD. Yeah, man. Crazy. Which is OD. Crazy, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> OD. Couldn't, couldn't imagine doing <laughs> – I, mean, I mean, and they, you know, they talk about us from this standpoint of, like, you got guys that – and I've been a part of this, that we take games off and, you know, and, you know we're missing games for this and that. Like, back in the day, even, even from a standpoint of treatment, they didn't have nothing but ice. <laughs> and like, like go ice it. Everything was go ice it. Go right. ice it. Go ice it. ACL injury, go ice it. Crazy. You know? So what those guys played through, you know, what the things that we have that they did not have, man, just to see like, their greatness. And you go back and you look and see even as long as they did play, you know, even though guys are playing longer now, but as long as they did play, as many games as they did, as many minutes as they did, I mean, that's, man, that's so impressive, man. I, I couldn't, I, I would not, I can't sit here and say I could have played in that generation. Maybe my talent would have been good in that generation, but I need treatment. I need, <laughs> I need, you know, certain things that they didn't have, man. I, I just won't do it for me. Right. You know, I got dry needling. I got, you know, I got personal trainers. I got all kind of things that help me get out on the court just to shoot two for 10. <laughs> you know? So, man, I'm a, I'm a treatment whore. So I, I understand you. Yeah, I understand you completely. I'm going to go on record saying there's no way I would be making it in the, in the, uh, Chuck Taylor's and trying to drink a brew after the game as a protein oh. recovery. Like this, this is no way I would have been able to get oh, through no, no, 17 seasons like yeah, some I'm, of I'm, these guys. Bro, I'm looking at, I have this, I have this, um, this Legends of Basketball, um, you know, frame, this thing in my office where it has pictures of all legends. And, and as we talking about this, man, I'm looking, I'm looking at the board and I see Bob McAdoo. You know, I'm looking at Kyle Greer. I'm looking at Kevin McHale. You know, I'm looking at Nate Thurman. I'm looking at Elgin Bay. I'm looking at all these amazing players like, you know, I mean, George Gervin. And, and I'm looking at them and I'm looking at their sneakers and seeing what they're wearing. And then like, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just looking at their bodies and I'm like, man, like to go through what y'all went through and, and to not have the technology that we have nowadays. I mean, even my first knee surgery that I had in college to how they doing knee surgeries now I mean and it was a meniscus that I had if I if I would have been able to have that surgery now I mean who knows what how well my career really would have went you know that knee surgery kind of stopped me from being able to you know to do certain things I want to do because it caused other other things to break down in my body other knee surgeries I had to have etc you know what I mean but nowadays right. you know you have a, a knee surgery like that a meniscus and the the mentality is different the technology is different the recovery is different and Jimmy Butler just had a meniscus and he came back like like he missed no he missed a beat you know in in 6 to four, 8 weeks you know mine took me a, over a year to get back from it and that was what 15 that was 17 years ago now and so just to, thinking about the difference man and the times have changed I salute those guys, and whether they like me or don't like me, I still salute them, and I thank them for paving, you know, the way, um, you know, on the court that they had. Right. It's it's also not just that, that right? See, it it's the travel. We talk about the food, the nutrition, the way teams used to have to bus, or the thought of a charter was completely out of the question, I mean, so it's everything, right, C and, and Dwayne? Yeah, guys were going to the actual airport. Yeah, yeah. Like, Ooh, think, flying through the it, airport. Like, right, going to the airport. Yeah, think about that. That's insane. Bro, don't you – we complain when we got to go through Toronto and we got to go through the <laughs> regular, through like, you know what I mean, airport way. We be complaining then. C, yeah, CJ complains. I'm for sure. For sure. <laughs> I'm for sure 20th century. I'm complaining like a mug, and then you be mad when they when they ask you for your ID. Like, really? Yeah. We got to go through this again because then I got to find my money yeah, clip. Yeah, like, so the, when players say that we're four – 
you know, when, they, when you hear an older player say, oh, they, they're spoiled. We yeah, are. We are. And the next generation <laughs> and the next generation will be even more, you know, than we are. Right. For sure. And y'all have to pave that way for us. Just like even before you guys, you know, people paved the way and so forth. So the game is as great as it is because of all the greats that have come before us and all the players that have come before us that have paved the way, that have made stands, that have complained about things and et cetera, et cetera. And that's what we're doing. We're paving the way for the next generation um, after us. I mean, everybody talks about the amount of money we make. Thank you guys for that. And I'm sitting here as a player that's still playing. I'm looking at the money that guys are making in four years that I probably ain't made my whole career. You know what I mean? And that's just the nature of the beat. It's just the, it's the time and the generation and times change and everything changes. And, you know, you just got to know that you did your part, you know, for the game and leave it at that. Just got to hope for the best. What about Dwayne for you? How important has it been to do your part and use that platform of, of hooping away from the floor and some of the amazing stuff you've done, whether it's organizing peaceful protest, marches around young people and gun violence, trying to make a difference and show that, you know, basketball players are much more than just that. Uh, yeah, man. Just it, what it is, as you said, is it, it, understanding, really understanding your platform. And for me, when I was younger, I couldn't have done it the same way. Um, but just getting older and really understanding who I speak for, you know, being, being, being in these communities, doing community, you know, things. I hear a lot of people, I get a lot of people coming up to me and then I understand, you know what? I have to speak for them. They, they come up and they saying, you know, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. You're seeing the way that they're living. You're seeing the way things are going on. And we might not deal with these same issues that everyone else is in the community is dealing with. But what we are is we have this platform. We have this stage. We have this this voice that can be heard. So it's our duty, I feel, to speak for the others, for the ones that is not uh, that doesn't have a voice, the ones that they're trying to put a mute button on. Um, you know, to have the real concerns. Our concerns is not as real as, as, as half the people in this world because, you know, we live in this fantasy world of the NBA and, and everything is yes, yes, yes. Um, but for the most people, everything is no, no, no. So, you know, definitely standing up for things I believe in when something is close to my heart. You know, Trayvon Martin getting killed out here, um, you know, in the state that I'm, uh, that I'm in and that, 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 that I believe in and that I love. And I also have a, a young, young teenager who looks just like him and that walks around with his hoodie on just like him and that goes, you know, hangs with his boys and goes to different places when I'm not around just like him. So, of course, it hit a string and things hit a string, you know, that happens in the world, man. So I think it's our duty. Uh, I tip my hat to you, man, for, for helping out the, the community and continuing to, to look out for everybody because there's another kid out there just like us who's, you know, trying to make it, you know, may feel like things are – Things aren't going his way and may give up. So if we continue to to fight and empower them and encourage the communities, especially, you know, kids that look like us, act like us and come from places like us, I think that puts everybody in a in a better position, in a better light. But uh, I have to talk about this in light of the, the mental health movement around the NBA and the sports in general. A lot of people are going through trials and tribulations, not just grown adults, but kids. You know, people from different backgrounds and they're hearing our stories. They're hearing about how we made it through the struggle. You know, they're hearing about how we've overcome certain things, maybe personally, maybe family, family oriented. And me personally, I watch a lot of documentaries. I, I watch a lot of sit down interviews and I've been watching uh, David Letterman. 
and uh, he, he sat down with Jay-Z recently and, and Jay-Z opened up about therapy, you know, being able to open up to a professional about problems, pain, things you go through. And I'm not just talking about the marriage. I'm talking about things that we see at a young age that we, we're not supposed to see. So my question to you is, and this is personal, but have you attended therapy? And if so, would you recommend somebody for me that I could talk to about stuff that I go through on a day-to-day basis? And I think that people need to understand that as a professional athlete, we got problems, just as many, if not more, and we're missing out on a lot of things. We're missing out on family time. We're missing out on funerals. We're missing out on birthdays. And it's hard. And all that stuff combined with poor performance can really mess with your head. So my question for you is, you know, has this stuff impacted your life? And is there anything that you, you do specifically to help? Well, 100% it has, man. And I, I, w- I can't say that I wasn't like most people when it comes to therapy, you know, at first. You know, at first I had that mentality that, oh, I don't need nobody who don't know me or don't know my life telling me about my life and telling me what I should do and this and that. You know, and it takes times for you to be in a real dark place and you to be grasping for air before you decide to, to, to reach out to someone. And I was able to do that at a tough time in my life. Um, was to was to go to therapy, and man, when I tell you, man, just get an opportunity just to relief, get an opportunity to get it from a different perspective, not someone who you know is the best friend of yours, or not someone who you know is a significant other, but getting it from from an unbiased person, and someone who um, you know can really look at things differently than you ever ever have, and man, I walked out of there every time with my chest out with my head up high and I felt that I was becoming a better, better individual and a better person every time I sat down, you know, you know, with, with, and my, and my wife now, she's the one who's always telling me, you know, let's do therapy or, you know, you should do this and that. And it wasn't because we had issues or problems. It was because of, she knows that I have a lot, a lot, a lot on my plate. I got one of those Thanksgiving plates, but two or three of them, you know, where you try to put everything on that plate before you, you sit down. And, and she knows that. And she was trying to get me to go on for the longest. I was like, no, I'm not about to have nobody telling me, you know, about me. And that, but I changed that mentality, man. I, and, I would, and I will say I think everybody should. My kids, my kids are in therapy. My kids have been in therapy for eight years since they moved with me. Um, it gives them an outlet. It gives them somebody different to talk to, whatever it's about, man. And I'm telling you, it works. It, it's working for them. And uh, I think everyone should do it. No, that's dope, man. I appreciate that feedback. And it's something that, you know, in the in the minority communities, we don't really look look toward help. You know, I got I got little cousins that have seen people get shot in the head. You know what I'm saying? And there's no help. There's nothing there's nothing that we're able to do to kind of get them through that. You know, there's there's times where you go through trials and tribulations. Maybe it's injuries and you in a dark place. Like I done broke my foot. A lot of times you don't have injuries to where you in a dark place, man. You just kind of looking around like, man, I done got hurt again. What's going to happen with my life? And you start to go through depression. So I think it's important for not only athletes, but everybody out there to understand that we go through stuff, man. It's tough. And don't be afraid to get help and, and reach out to somebody and. Uh, I think this is encouraging, and I'm even telling my family about. It. I need I need some people in my family to to take some steps into, you know, helping themselves out and kind of airing things out because you know we we suppress that, keep that inside, and it, and it brings us down. Definitely, man. I appreciate this too, man. This is great content, man. This is this is great stuff. I think this will help a lot of people, and including myself. And I got a few more questions for you if you don't mind. I know you got a busy schedule, but I wanted to make sure I got. You know, some of this stuff out there because, you know, this is this is ter- this is terrific, bro. Oh, man, thank you. I told you in the text I was going to ask you this. The, the NBA is made and driven by African-Americans, minorities, but there's a lack of minorities in GM slash front office slash ownership positions and positions 
to make decisions. You know, I feel like a lot of times we're put in that light of good enough to play the game, but not necessarily good enough to evaluate the talent and make decisions. What are your thoughts on this? That's, you know what, man? That's a, that's a great question. And I mean, obviously I have different views on it, um, a few different views. I mean, I definitely feel that, um, you know, I, I definitely want to see more black faces around the NBA um, on the sideline, you know, in upper management. Um, and I feel that it, it should be um, as well, but not being on the other side, not going through the process. Uh, I don't know necessarily what they're looking at and, and, and why, you know, it, it hasn't happened, especially being a, a pretty much a, um, you know, in an African-American league for so long, you know, for the most part. Um, but as well, you know, how I, how I view things too, man, is like, I feel that we have to understand as African-Americans, you know, that we're worthy too. You know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, first of all, probably don't even think that they can run a team or run a franchise or do this and that, you know what I mean? So, you know, they may go into another, another area, you know, in, in basketball, or oh, well, let me just go into what I know. And I know basketball, so let me go help the players. You know, let me become one of those shooting coaches or, or one of those, you know, all these things. And all of it is great. But that's so you can do that. But if you if your goal one day is to become, you know, a general manager, a president, an owner, then that's okay. Take those steps to get there. But while you're there, learn what you need to learn to get to the next place. But don't, you know what I mean? Like a lot of players get, get mad and a lot of former players because they feel that, oh, I can play the game, so I should be in that position as well. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be in there just because you played the game because that, that upstairs is way different than, than dribbling a basketball. So do your job to make sure that you know that you know what it is to get to that level, that you know all the numbers, that you know all, you know what I mean, the CBA, that you know, like, and you need to know everything it is when it comes to, you know, being a general manager, being an owner, being a coach in all these situations. But I definitely feel that, you know, the opportunity should be given a little more. But at the same time, I'm not giving a pass on, you know, on us players when we get done to say, okay, I should just be. No, you, you shouldn't just be. You have to learn, you know, that level. You, you've mastered a basketball player. Now, can you, can you master being a general manager and what that means and, and all that goes with that? CJ, for you and also for you, Dwayne, I'm just, I wonder if you can speak on, is this something that guys talk about in the locker room, like the frustration around the fact that there is a lack of minorities in front office positions? Is that is that a prevalent conversation? I mean, it's definitely, from my side, you know, uh, CJ, but from my side, it's definitely something that is talked about. I think the one the one topic that is talked about a lot is how it, how it looks, you know, when it, it seems like black coaches um, or minority coaches don't get the same uh, rope as as other coaches, you know what I mean? Like I would take a, a close friend of mine, but I would take uh, David Fisdale, for instance. He, he was one in one and I can't even say one and a half years in Memphis, but he was fired. And, you know, you see a lot of that, you know, with, with minority coaches is they get in and it's like, let me hire him because I, we need to hire him or because it looks good or because, but they don't get the same, they don't get six years to be bad. You know what I mean? They ain't getting four years to be awful. And then, you know, even though they're not get, they haven't been given a great team. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, Coach Fizdale, but they haven't been getting a get, great team, but they don't get the same, the same leeway to, to, that other coaches have gotten, you know, over the course of the NBA. 
And I definitely think that that's something that we all notice. I definitely think that it's something that not only the you know the black players in the league notice, but I, I feel that everyone notices. Everyone around the game notices. And it's something that has been a conversation, but it definitely hasn't changed yet. And it's not just in basketball. This happens, you know, in in other in other areas as well. So, I mean, CJ, I'm sure you, I'm sure your conversation is the same or different as well. I mean, different possibly as well. But I'm sure it's, it's very similar to we want to see, um, you know, minority coaches get more opportunities, but we also want to see them get get a chance to get in there and and make their own way, man, and give them a chance to do that. And like a year and a half is not going to do it. Two years are not going to do it. Sometimes it takes a while to build like we've allowed other coaches to do. Right. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, it's always a topic of discussion, you know, looking at the league and, and how minority driven it is, not just from an African-American standpoint, but European influence. You know, it's, what is it, 15, 20 percent now players coming from Europe and, and coming to the uh, coming to the NBA, you know, from other countries. So there's a the language barrier. There's all those things that go into play and. I can imagine what they're going through, you know, barely being able to speak English uh, for the most part, having to come to the United States and learn, you know, the game from a lot of coaches that don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't come from nothing like you. So it, that's just uh, a fact that we all notice and something that we all go through. And from a decision making standpoint, I look at it like this. The only African-American owner in the NBA is arguably the greatest player of all time. That's Michael Jordan. That's it. So that's that shows you right there what we're looking at. But that's. uh it's the nature of the beast. I think it's it's a collective effort. We got to believe that we can take over those types of jobs. We have to go after them. We have to be armed with uh, the the right the right knowledge, the right information, the right skill set, and just uh, go after it with full strength. And I think it's it's from everybody. Everybody has to be involved in, in making this happen. Yeah, man. Ah, marijuana, marijuana in the NBA, <laughs> and how prevalent it is compared to back in the day. Do you think they're ever going to legalize it? I've talked to Adam a little bit about it uh, in terms of the levels. You know, is it good for sleep, uh, back pain? I know some coaches have actually spoken out about it. What are your thoughts? Um, well, one thing I would I can't do is I would say never, but I don't feel like it's coming no time soon. You know, and um, it, it, it's so many reasons why. Um, I believe, but no, I don't think it's coming no time soon. I think it's definitely some that of a conversation that it has been had, and that's that's great that the conversation has been had. But I don't think the conversation is even on the level of what maybe is even reported. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> this, you gotta understand that we're the as players, we're the we're the talent. You know, we are the the thing that drives this game, and how we're viewed and how we're looked at, and all these things is the reason that the basketball, you know, the game has become so great. And just allowing players to be able to smoke marijuana, which marijuana has for some people, I don't know why, but it has a bad, uh, a negative, uh, you know, look to it. You know, if you look like, oh, this is a marijuana league, they all smoke and they all hot, that's not a good conversation for the NBA to have. And it's not going to look good on the NBA. And the NBA is about looking good, right? Like right. most brands are. So <laughs> I definitely don't feel that that anyone is there yet. Uh, but it's great that some of the conversations has been had. But I don't even think it's to the point where we even think. I don't even think it's really about marijuana. More so than about, you know, they got all the things that you can use. The rubs. You know, you can rub certain stuff on your injuries and 
You know, all these things. I think that's what a conversation is first. Right. <laughs> Make them joints get better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. I think, I think we're a ways off from potentially being able to, to put that in place. But it's always nice to get other people's opinions and thoughts about it and just kind of see where the conversation is going. But uh, lastly, we'll get into the speed rounds, man. I know you got stuff to do. I appreciate you once again taking this time, bro. I owe you. Oh, you big time. Uh, you got to have to send me your address so I can send you some of my uh, favorite Pinots from out here in uh, Oregon. Uh, so you can enjoy that. But I like that. <laughs> I got you, man. And then for charities or anything like that, too, uh, I haven't told my my production team yet. But for guests that have charities or anything of that nature, I'll come out of pocket, man. I'll put some money into you guys, charities, things of that nature. Just let me know what you guys are doing or what you have in the works. And, and I'd love to uh, help out any way I can and just get involved with different things. But just want to let you know that, too. But... Um, favorite book. Uh, favorite. Well, I'm a I'm a basketball person, so I'm gonna go with. Or oh, should I go with my wife book? You, that's no, a- no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I was young, when I was young, uh, it was a book. <laughs> it was a book called Playing for Keeps. Um, that was written by Michael Jordan. Um, you know, that's that was my favorite book, and it's still still reign has been my favorite. Okay, I'm gonna add that to the list. Playing for Keeps. Last glass of wine you had? Uh, last night. Two for ten last night. <laughs> what did you have? I gotta ask now. <laughs> I actually had way wine last night. I had a little bit of my own wine last night. Okay, that's what's up. Netflix show you're currently watching? Netflix show I'm currently watching. Uh, well, I just finished. Um, seven seconds. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I just finished that show probably last week or so. I like Seven Seconds. That was very good. Craziest thing someone has asked you for. Oh man, when you're in this world, what is, what is um, <laughs> um well, I, well, you know what? I think probably for me, because it was my one of my first times, I was giving out autographs, and somebody, a young lady, asked me to sign her um, her boob, <laughs> and that still rang for me was one of the craziest uh, acts uh, at the time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> A very memorable moment. Thing you miss most about college? Um, March Madness, man. I really love the Final Four. I really love the All Run. I miss March Madness. Every time it come on, dog, I just, uh, like, oof, I miss it. I miss it too, man. Um, I have two more on here that I have to ask because it's here, I guess. Uh, it says one sentence on LeVar Ball. <laughs> genius. Genius? <laughs> oh, he's genius, man. I, I, I love the Levar. I love what he's been able to do. It's a different. It's different than what everyone used to. But he cares about his kids, man. He believes in his kids, and I'm all. I'm all day for anybody that support their kids and get behind them 100. percent Because if you don't do it, nobody else will. I think. I think it's great. You know, there's not a lot of present uh, minority followers out there. I think he's very present, and I think that's a good thing. I think obviously he says some things that are questionable at times, but you can't argue the fact that he's a good father who's around and has raised his boys and been around his boys and, you know, potentially could have put three of them through UCLA. Uh, free agency predictions for you, Bron, PG, Kawhi. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, well, mine is easy. <laughs> My prediction is easy. It's Miami or nothing. Um, let's see, PG. So I'm going to say... If they're not, so if they're not with their current team, right? This is my prediction, right? They're not staying with their current team. Can Don't I worry, go like I'll, that? Preface, I'll preface it because people go crazy. I literally answered a question about LeBron potentially. 
I, I literally answered a question about the chances of LeBron going into the Sixers, and I was like, I think it's more likely than people think. And people was like, oh, you <laughs> idiot. You know nothing about this. And make a shot. Work on your pull-up, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, they asked me a question. I answered it. Relax. <laughs> so I'll preface it with, if they were to leave, they would go Okay. X, y, well, Z. I'm answering this question not knowing anything about what they're thinking, any of them. I don't even know Kawhi like that at all. Um, so I'm asking this question just based on a fan and kind of in a sense where you would like to see them go. That's kind of how I'm asking the question. So uh, PG, uh, LA, Lakers. Kawhi, I've never envisioned him not being in the San Antonio Spurs uniform. <laughs> um so I have no idea where he would go. I have never envisioned him. I have only heard him talk like once. So I don't really know. But if I had to pick, I would say, ah, oh, man, this is a tough one. <laughs> if it helps, Shaq said Boston. Oh, that's a good one. Boston is a good one. Um, I'll go with Boston. Ah, that's a good one. I'll go with Boston. Great coach, great system. I'll go with Boston. And who's the last person? <laughs> Hey, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, man. No, no pressure, I am not man. Answering, I am not answering. I am not answering the Brian James question because that is going to be a firestorm. That I, don't, that I don't feel like putting out. No, I, I respect that. I, I didn't want you to. I, I was like, all right, man. This is. I don't want to make headlines on game day after after you went two for ten and I went five for eighteen. Uh, all right, a couple quick ones now. College football or NFL? College football. NBA or college basketball? NBA. Favorite subject growing up? Math. Favorite song? That's a tough one. Well, I'm a Chicago kid. So um, anything that anybody in Chicago made, <laughs> let me just go there. Politic, that was a politically safe. Uh, go Kanye West Mama is, is, a, is a hit, right? Kanye, yeah, dear, yeah, um, Kanye West, yeah. Well, you know what? Favorite song growing up? Dear Mama. By dear Mama. Yeah. That was my favorite song. Oh, yeah. That's a classic. That's a classic. So I'm going to skip favorite actress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? Oh, dang. I love... Mm, mm, mm. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Tom Brady. I'm going to go with Tom Brady, but man, I love Peyton. That's, That's a, tough a tough one. one. French fries or tater tots? Oh, French fries. I love tater tots. Yogurt <laughs> or ice cream? Ice cream. Don't like yogurt. Favorite car? Favorite car? Um, Better question. First car. I still remember mine. First car, uh, Delta 88 Oldsmobile. Ooh, old school. Old school. Mm, favorite food? Um... The food I love to eat. Um, give me a good hamburger over anything. Uh, I love me a burger too. Man, good burger. This mm. this will bring back memories. Name a first girlfriend. Lauren. Uh, Lauren Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> we always remember that one. What age were you when you had your first crush on a teacher and who was she? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I talked about this before. Um, Mine was in fifth grade. Yours in fifth grade? Well, the one I remember that was like the the longest crush I had was actually in high school. Um, my old four in my years. Her name was uh, Miss Perello. She sounds she sounds solid. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds solid. <laughs> she was my math teacher. Hence that being my favorite subject. 
<laughs> it's all starting to make sense now. It's all my girls are gonna hit us and be hot. Mine was my math teacher too. Um, oh my yoga or Pilates? Um, Pilates. Yoga's hard. Favorite milkshake? Only got a couple more, and then it's, it's curtains. Uh, a solid vanilla. Excellent decision. Favorite movie? Coming to America. First thing you do upon waking up? Um, uh, try not to fall. <laughs> when I'm walking <laughs> oh man that's dope man that's great stuff man I, I appreciate you coming on anything else you wanna you wanna shout out any any new any new ventures in place no I would be remiss man not to not to say um how proud I am of you for for you know making your you know your own your own way in the sense of, of our slogan of Lee Neen, man of really making your own way and coming over to the Lenine brand and really understanding what you want to do um, for yourself and for your, your brand that you're building and for your future um, and understanding the opportunity that, you know, that you can have being, you know, uh, one of the top athletes at, at Lenine, which is a very, it's a global brand, man. So I would be remiss if I don't say that, man. Congratulations. And I'm glad that you're a part of the family. And um, I'm looking for you to be a part of the family for a long, long, long time, man. So um, happy for you. I appreciate that, man. And for the listeners out there that don't know, D-Wade is one of the reasons why I signed with Lee Ning. I reached out to him throughout the process and got his feedback. I needed to ask him some questions about the business side, what it's like to be with the brand. And obviously, there's a reason why we're number three, D-Wade and Iverson. <laughs> so, so you got that, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks again. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your off day. It's time for me to get this Manny Petty. And uh, relax and get ready for this playoff push. Nothing but respect, man. Good luck, and I'll be watching for sure. And I'll probably, if I see something, I don't go dark. I'll text you. No, bet, <laughs> bet, bet. And I, I need your address, too, um, so I can send you this wine, bro. All right, bet. I'll, I'll see my address. I love a good wine. I'll see my address for sure. I got you, man. You got to let me know what you think about it. I got some flavors for you. All right, for sure. All right, take it easy, bro. Thanks, Dwayne. All right, bro. Hey, thank you, man. Same. Wow, what a dope conversation, man. I appreciate D-Wade for coming on, man, and sharing some of his thoughts on not only basketball, his career, but things that are going on in society and how we can continue to improve and help each other, man. Uh, just a very candid interview, man. All love and uh, just appreciate you coming on. My fellow Leaning fam, we all, anything is possible. And also, I just think that, Dwayne, we really appreciate your honesty. It's not easy as an athlete to go out and talk about going to therapy or peaceful protest, things that are beyond hoops and i think cj and i want to bring that to the show so we appreciate that that's it for this week want to once again want a special thanks shout out to d wade man i appreciate everybody listening out there uh thanks for making us uh, number one last week on itunes for sports category we, we've done a lot and we're continuing to do a lot and we want to continue to spread the word and just have unique open conversations and as a good friend once told me don't cry over spilled milk wipe it up and pour another glass. Shout out right now. Follow on Instagram at 3J McCollum, on Twitter at CJ McCollum. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, the show on social media is at Pull Up Pod on Facebook, Insta, and Twitter. Jordan, go. How about that? Number one. That's a that's a lofty start. I am also on Twitter and Instagram at Schultz underscore report. And uh, as CJ said, Next week, we are going to hit the wine category real hard with the Pinots. Absolutely. Why not? And always remember to... 
Pull up. up.